there has always been a stereotype that black people don't swim. But we are here to tell you that we do and we are good at it. I am Coach Adrian. I'm Dr. Shira. We are the hosts of the Swim Culture Podcast. We want everyone to know that aquatics has always been a part of the black culture and experience since the beginning of time. From scuba diving to fishing to the Olympics and surfing, we have done it all and are still doing it. Make sure you tune in and dive into the culture. The Swim Culture. another episode of the swim culture we are in the middle of black live matter movement right now dr allen what you thinking about this um i think it's an amazing thing you know we are addressing issues that especially when it comes to police brutality and um other social injustices that are happening when it comes to black people and black americans but um i think that it's something that's happening all the time and with George Floyd we are shedding like a bigger light than I've really ever seen um and it's like going across like the whole world like they're protesting everywhere and so I think it's a good thing bringing light now I think it's the first step I don't think it's the end all be all but it's not the end all be all for myself personally I at first was a little I didn't know how to accept uh-huh. the looting part because I knew it was going to turn into something. They, they were going to somehow switch that narrative into making it seem like, you know, of course, blacks were more barbaric and, you know. But I'm glad that that switched as quickly as it did. However, I agree that we had to do something more than nothing because I think that, you know, it sounds good to be peaceful. You know, we are not our ancestors. So... As Martin Luther King had a great thing that he did, it was great for his time, it was necessary for his time. Right now, we're in a different state of mind, a different place in the world, and I mean the world. As you can see, the protests, like you said, went globally, so we're in a different place. And I think that um, you gotta gotta kill a monster with a monster. So you were mentioning about like Martin Luther King and, you know, but I feel like we always reference him in like the non, the peaceful, non-violent, but I think he also understood that, what did he say, like the rioting and the protesting is just the, the way that people who haven't been heard have expressed themselves and people who have been oppressed for so long, like after a while, like it's going to come to a head and it's going to, we're going to you know, display our frustrations in a way where you can recognize it. How how much can we have interviews and talk on CNN and have these, try to have the conversation? They always say, oh, well, we have to start with the conversation. Like, after a while talking is, we ain't talking no more. Right, We're so that's done. where I'm at. Um, I'm okay with what's happening because I'm done talking. I'm, listen, because we talk and people talk, and I think that sometimes when people... They ask a question, not ready for the answer. At all. So what I do like that's happening is that I'm now able to say what I really feel because they ask. And, you know, 
for the demographics that I'm around majority mm-hmm. of the time, I I feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. But since they asked, I then was able to tell the truth mm-hmm. of what is it in, you know, they asked the question, well, um, what is it, you know, what, how can I help? So my response was share your resources. And so they said, huh, what do you mean? See, they know. So See, you know what? when I say, I, I have to say, well, well one, uh, you have to be able to give something right now. You know, if you want to sit at the table and ask questions, you got to be able to come to the table with something before you even get a seat. Because isn't that how they treat us? We can give an all day, but we still we ain't got no seat. Yeah, we, we just got to be peeking in the yeah, door. We get to peek in the door, like, stand in the room. Here and listening, like, you know. And I feel like right now they just need to stand and listen. You know what? It was a scene. My mom and I watched The Banker. And it was a scene. Did you watch it? Have you seen it? Mm-hmm. Well, it's a real life story about um, these two black men who were in real estate and owning businesses. And they had a white man who they put in the forefront of, like, representing their business. And they ended up buying, like, some of the banks and stuff in Los Angeles and, and in Texas. Um, and when they, and then, but they eventually found out that they were really, like, a black-owned business. And, you know, stuff just went awry. But anyway, but one of the scenes was when they were doing the negotiations and stuff, they had to pose as the driver and a janitor of their own bank so they could be in there guiding the white man to and so we have to be like that we have to be inconspicuous sometimes and and trying to make things happen and we're tired of doing that like we want what we want all right we've been here for centuries and still are at the bottom when it comes to economics when it comes to our social place so i'm we're t- i'm tired of it i'm and tired of it too because i think that um like i was explaining to somebody we don't have the same, I have a son mm-hmm. that's 12, and uh, this person I was speaking to has a son around the same age, but of course Caucasian, if they stand beside each other, they're going to be looked at like two different people, mm-hmm. and they both could have the same grades, same interests, same personality type, you know, um, but my son is going to look at the thug. And he, or he's going to be looked at as a grown-ass man. Or, right, or a grown man, and your son will be looked at as... Oh, he's just a boy. He's just a young he's man. He's a, a boy. boy. Yeah. There's two different things. Yeah. So how do you break systematic I don't thought know. It's process? So because deeply, it's now it's deeply rooted. It's so deeply ingrained and so sometimes I feel like it's just we just doomed. Like I just be like, you know, it just so I have to like kinda talk myself out of um like despair a little bit, like and when it comes to just black Americans and our plight in general and I have to be like, you know what, we still we can we can make strides, and there stuff is gonna come around for us. But it's really like disheartening to when you see, like, <laughs> okay, for example, what you think about the Wakanda statement that Ti made on the on that? Did you see it? Well, I think that what's happening is that, um, and what I do like now, this is what I like. Okay, so, okay, go ahead. I love the fact that the people are like, we don't care about. The hip hop leaders. We don't care about celebrity. Celebrity is like on its way out. Like don't nobody (laughs) these sports. Like I love that because it's at one point that's all that we were represented as. Yeah, and we are more than rappers, 
we're more than athletes we're more than actors or actresses although those are great skilled jobs and you know that you have to have unique creative ability to even conquer those but there are a lot of professors teachers doctors community activists leaders small business owners that I've seen for myself who own a business as well as they might literally fund a Pop Warner program mm -hmm. or a team. There are a lot of people out there. There's, I know um, a guy, he's a police officer and he mm -hmm. runs a youth sports mentor. We're more than now. entertainment. And, and he does so much. He's captivating and saving so many lives mm -hmm. at a little small scale. Why aren't we looking up to those people? I don't. See, I think it's more people, like the glitz and glamour yeah. that we want to. But you know what? I think we also need to. Why I was so bothered by the Wakanda statement is because <laughs> statistically, though, like we aren't there. Like we don't have the resources. Wakanda, that fictional African country that had all these resources that they could save the world with, we ain't got that. How can that be equivalent? Like we can't do that. And so, like to make statements like that. All tells people that are outside of our community makes it they have a false sense of what it really is and they were like oh these black people they fine like but no we're not and um shit the ones that they think are fine they think we are the exception to the rule yeah and that is one statement I had to literally make I'm not an exception to the rule there are many other people just like me doing whatever they're doing that's positive mm -hmm. i'm not an exception to the rule you've chosen to look at me as an exception to the rule because you for whatever reason you have chosen to allow me in listen they're the gatekeepers yeah like, <laughs> <laughs> oh that, that so, word that word chosen because yeah, i be telling chosen. people like listen like i don't know at what tra my trajectory and getting a phd and masters and all of that <laughs> to be in these rooms like i'm i don't know but right. like you know, and I used to be like, what is wrong with y'all? Everybody could do like, but no, nah. mm -hmm. like these resources and like, you know, the positions that you've been put in allows you to walk through these yes. doors and, you know, or be able to stand outside the door or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But So when this happened, you know, you and I were talking, I was like, well, I got to figure out how to let the people that I work with on a regular basis know where I really stand. Mm -hmm. So it was great to go back again and have those conversations nice. to say mm -hmm. where I really stand because I was concerned, you know, I might lose an endorsement or so, but it didn't happen. Actually, they are more, I, I think I got offered more. <laughs> you did. I think I did. I yeah, I don't, I don't be having those experiences. I don't know why I don't have those experiences, but see, uh, you real, you real like, <laughs> you know, I, like, you can see it all over my face. I'll just... <laughs> I'm not with it like and so before they even start the conversation like conversations I have had like I don't be meaning to but it's like oh my gosh like the fragility just shows <laughs> like it just comes out and I'm like I didn't mean to expose that but I'm glad I did yeah. because um, anyway yeah because yeah, I think um, the statement was made that you kind of you have a really calm demeanor until we got into that conversation um, and we got pretty deep in the conversation so what was it about what are you talking about the conversation they asked what could they do to help okay what do you think the problem is um and i said the problem that i think starts in education really yes okay um so here's the thing here in atlanta there's a education of whom 
white people. Period. Period. Okay. Tell you why? Okay. Because here in Atlanta, I don't know if other cities have this, but there's an issue with the public schools versus the private, the um, charter schools. Mm -hmm. And one side of the fence feels like people shouldn't have access to charter schools because I guess it messes up the funding or something for public education. So my argument there was, why don't you think people should have access to their own types of education? Mm -hmm. And uh, the person went on to explain, you know, that they felt like it gave too many options and it didn't make the, the, um, it wasn't an even playing field. So I had to, that's when I had to stop. And I said, well, it's not an even playing field, period. Mm -hmm. Because you're looking at, you take kids and you put them in the same environment. They're learning from the same teacher they're learning the same curriculum. Mm -hmm. The only difference is lack of resources. Meaning, if Daquan mm -hmm. and Timmy uh -huh. were in the same math class, and both Daquan and Timmy are having issues in math, Timmy's parents can afford that really nice tutor to come every day mm -hmm. to help Timmy out. Mm -hmm. Well, Daquan, on the other hand, is not going to have that option. Mm -hmm. So it's not that... Daquan Statistically, is, they wouldn't be able to have that option, right? Yeah, they don't yeah. have the option. She doesn't have the option. Okay. Forget statistics. We're talking realism. No, no, I'm just saying yeah. when you look... I'm just saying, but some people be like, well, you know, these black people have resources. These black people have money. I'm just saying some people have that yeah, argument. Yeah, so I'm saying right now that's not true. So... I mean, me and you, we here. Right? Yeah, I know, but that ain't that ain't the case, you <laughs> okay. know? So I'm, I'm, that's how, this is how plain I had to tell it to them. Okay. So it's not that Daquan is not... Is, not smart yeah and it's not that timmy is not smart it's just that timmy has some help mm -hmm. didn't have no help now this is what happens now then you get to third grade now they gotta take a test mm -hmm. now timmy done got help mm -hmm. so he's prepared to take his test right absolutely didn't get no help yeah so you're gonna take daquan's test scores at eight years oh he's eight years old mm -hmm. he ain't hit puberty yet he don't know nothing yet he might be hungry he just now getting out of He's just getting into a, a, the, the new phase of, of, you know, growing up, adolescent world. He's not even, he doesn't know nothing right now. He's still a baby. Mm -hmm. But you know what you're going to do with that test score? You're going to use that test score to build a prison. Mm -hmm. So at that point, once you get Daquan test score, he's now putting that group mm -hmm. over here. Mm -hmm. And that group is not set up for college readiness. Mm -hmm. That group is set up just you to be, right. go straight up. Yeah. Then by the time they get to high school, then this is what happens when you get to high school. And then you know I work in a high school setting. So when you get to high school, then you have the AP classes. That's college ready. Mm -hmm. Then you have even your technical group. You know, they're prepared to push them on to tech school. They already kind of graduate with something in hand. Then you have that other group. Mm -hmm. So Daquan might be in that other group. Now, they could possibly graduate high school. The likelihood of him going to college is not you know that big mm -hmm. you know um but the likelihood of him possibly getting either killed or put in jail getting a record before yeah. he's even 21 mm -hmm. is more likely for him yeah that's so you set that him, prison industrial yeah, so you, yeah that's, that's and that's what i told yeah. him. i said it's a prep to prison yeah because you done told him at third grade so you take away the whole concept of nature over um nurture and uh, nurture over nature at that point you just you, there's no instead of taking the test score saying okay Here's a, the demographic that we need to go in and put more resources. Mm -hmm. That's not what you do. You throw them to the side because it was already systematically put in place for it to work like that. Mm -hmm. That was the conversation that we had. Yeah, okay. And so when we got down to systematically put in place like that, I think that's when they got uncomfortable. 
there was more that I said. Mm-hmm. And so I had to call back the next day and said, hey, are you mad with me? <laughs> and she said, no, I'm not mad. I said, well, are you uncomfortable? She says, yes, I am uncomfortable, but I think I'm supposed to be. So at that point, I said, okay, well, good. Mm-hmm. You know, because at least she knows where I stand. Yeah. And there was, there was no secret anymore. And there were other things revealed that I had to um, express that decisions that I made on the team. And I never discussed why I made the decision because um, something happened that I didn't like that I knew was racial. Mm-hmm. And I just made a decision to fire the person. Yeah. I never talked about it. Mm-hmm. And I finally exposed what happened. Yeah. And she says, why didn't you tell me? Well, how do you go to a white person and tell a white person that you feel like somebody just did something racist? So how do you go tell a white person, another white person, who supposed to be your superior, that you just had yeah, a that racist... Yeah, that could have went left Yeah, you see, quick. so that, was a, that yeah. could have went a different direction yeah. a year ago. Yeah. But now this year, when I say it, yeah. you're, gonna, you're, you're hearing it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, good thing when I told the story, they said they did believe me because some aftermath and they were like okay we believed it but they wouldn't have believed yeah, it if yeah. I said it a year ago yeah yeah I don't know but <laughs> and I've had to I, I don't really have cause you know I'm, I'm at an HBCU there are um of course it's not that it's a lot our our department is really diverse so conversations that we have and I, I definitely advocate for you know students on campus and and because the faculty that come in you know with you know it might be immigrant faculty or Mm -hmm. white faculty or whatever that come in they the perception that they may have of these black students or black american students is like i don't know so if i'm observing i just don't know what it is Mm -hmm. and so i try to advocate myself um for you know those experiences and where they might be coming Mm -hmm. from and so yeah, you're on that K through 12 level. I'm on like the higher ed level. And so, and you see some of those same things happening. You know, my students, it's crazy having to work like two and three jobs. They come into class at eight o'clock in the morning, tired because they just got off at, it might be a nine o'clock class and they just got off at two. And so just the dynamics and understanding, you know, not saying, oh, I'm, they're lazy. Like understanding what they might have to be going through and and to uh what's the word i can't supplement for mm-hmm. the things that they might be lacking you know what i'm saying and so it's it it goes all the way i think then from, over here in public school you deal with a title one situation so with title one those are low income based schools mm-hmm. and what that means that's free lunch mm-hmm. free, like 99 percent. Yeah, yeah all this free everything but what happened with coronavirus hit is Girl. when all those Title One schools that had yes. access to all this technology and everything, when coronavirus hit, they it was mayhem. Mm-hmm. So that then became my argument mm-hmm. when we talked about education because the argument was, well, the schools over here get way more money because they're supplementing for your income. Mm-hmm. Then, although they have the money over here, why didn't, why didn't they know how to use the technology when it was time? Where is the money? Where is the technology? Who's educating the teachers to tell them what to do? Who's educating the parents to tell them what to do? So there's a whole big, I don't know, uh, missing piece right there. Mm-hmm. So you got to justify for that. Mm-hmm. And it's not that this school over here has what this school over here doesn't. 
that school over there has resources and this school over here doesn't. So they didn't even know how to use their resources because they had the knowledge over there to get it. You get what I'm saying? Like you might have certain schools at one point when um, Google Classroom came into play. It wasn't a universal thing, mm -hmm. although it should have been. Mm -hmm. So you had certain schools that used Reminder, certain schools that used uh, Zoom or Duo, and then you had certain schools or teachers even that might use Google Classroom. Mm -hmm. So it just wasn't... Uh, it, might, it don't sound like it was streamlined. It wasn't streamlined, <laughs> okay. you see? Mm -hmm. And so that's the problem because it's so divided with gentrification that you haven't even made a, again, streamline or... Um, best practice measure to how you need to handle things. Mm -hmm. And that's why people send their kids to charter schools. Mm. Well, so that was the whole <laughs> conversation that y'all had. So I mean, I'm Not glad. the whole conversation. But I'm but saying, but the that, gist of the it. The gist of it was about the fact that we had to, um, we had to mend that gap. And with that being said, what I say, what came out of it um, was me talking to a person from the board of a charter school and swim. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that they all have agreed that we all need. Every kid needs to know how to swim. Mm -hmm. um, that's a, a basic need and are eager to somehow mend the gap. So those charter kids will end up going to a public high school. Okay. So you need to be able to feed into the high school. Mm -hmm. And so that's where the swim programs come into. And so that is one way that we're at the table talking about how to mend the gap. Okay. Because those are resources that will not usually um, be accessible due to time, economic status, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. So that is one of the programs that we are trying to mend together. So that's one of the things that um, came out of the conversation that they want to do to be able to help is extending their resources um, in a SWIM program. Okay. Well, that's good. I think when you under I think for me and we've talked about this plenty of times like we said earlier I think these protests are just a demonstration and um of and highlighting the problems some of the problems that we are having as black people in America and you know just like in the 60s and stuff you know allowing the world to see like how we're being treated or could potentially be treated here mm -hmm. um but i think that's a, that's just the start and i think that um one of the main solutions what one of the main problems is you say e education i say it's economics but i think e education is part of economics no i'm just I, yeah but i mm -hmm. think but economically like because i mean black women we the most educated out here but we get how much we can pay like you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like our, it's a it's a book out. Dr. Sandy Darity is a professor at uh, Duke University and has come out with a book addressing economics and and the um, argument for reparations. And he was saying, and it's a statistics that says that um, that black people who have bachelor's degrees get paid significantly less, especially black women, significantly less than white women or white households that don't only have a high school diploma. Mm -hmm. So then if you see if you so then imagine those who just have a high school diploma, like that just puts us so far below. And so if we had the economics, even with our degrees and our PhDs and all of the JDs and all That's of that, true. you know, we still over here struggling 
look, listen, in all honesty, let two, three paychecks stop. <laughs> what are we doing? Right. And so I think that the the economic standing, the 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 wealth gap, the that can all be related to our ability to engage in aquatic activities going to the beach, going to the lake, being able to pay for swim lessons, getting a swimsuit. Swimsuits are expensive. Right. And so even with that, with the swim program, I said that. Yeah. So my thing is you're going to have to. It's economic. economic. I think it's, yeah. to me, to, you're, in you're my view. You're absolutely right about the economics. It's economic. Economics, yeah. Because then if I, because then yeah. when it comes to school systems, if, if the economic, the salary or the wealth of a community and the tax bracket, the reason these schools have so much money and access and stuff is because their taxes, their tax money is going to these local schools and their right. school. But then when you go exactly into a community where the taxes are low and we don't have that much that money to pay, you know, into our community like that, then the resources aren't going to be. So if we right, well, that was my that, point too. That yeah. was my point. So I guess you're right on that. Where we were, and I guess I gave the example of education, how it affects the education, because to me, yeah, but I think the, the economics, economics is the is the is the tier. I mean, the the umbrella there, and then. I think everything falls in place. That's why folks didn't like Martin Luther because seventy some percent of folks didn't like Martin Luther King before he got assassinated, and because he was cha- he was that book. Where do we go from here? That book he had, it was talking about. Listen, that's that interview you see on uh, YouTube, and he was like, "We going to get our check, like that's the next step." Yeah, we got the civil rights, we got all of that, but I think people started to see like, yeah, I can ride at the front of the bus, but like. Like well, this wealth gap is still here, yeah. The wealth and gap so is we need to. It needs to be an economic adjustment and a transfer of wealth. And what I did tell her in the conversation was because um, she made a statement about how they were able to turn the school around mm-hmm. with gentrification, which I don't think they understand what with gentrification. Think, you don't does. think so? I mean, okay. I'm just gonna pretend they don't for my okay, sanity. Okay, go ahead. All right. And I had to explain your so house you alone. Better knocked out an entire apartment complex mm-hmm. right in your backyard yeah. that no longer exists. Yeah. And where are those people? Gone. Displaced. And so they that, out and now you're saying, oh, but our schools are so good because your house alone knocked out the property value on your house Man. alone has knocked out an entire apartment complex or your house alone has knocked out this family that's been here for decades for decades before you even came decades and like and this is now right here on Auburn Avenue yeah Atlanta Georgia mm-hmm. where at once upon a time was this was the black, black Mecca Martin Luther the King over there the school the new school that black. the kids are getting ready to move into was the prestigious black school in this area yeah. so there are a lot of um People that have come from this school that are not only civil rights activists, that are scientists and mm-hmm. doctors who yeah. have done great things mm-hmm. in the world, and they're right here from this community yeah. in Atlanta. But now it's so gentrified, it has to find it. Doesn't even, you can't even recognize, like, and so, like Howard, or like just so many of our communities. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, 
But yeah, yeah, so. like how that person, the, the guy, so disrespected. Walking the dog. Yes, disrespectful. Like, first of all, we're not walking across George Washington or Georgetown like that and letting our dogs shit and piss all. Excuse me, all on your <laughs> excuse that language. Right, all over your property, and then you tell us what. Well, no, we've been oh, here. Oh, just need to move the campus. No, no, like, no, no. This campus has been here since 1860. Are you out your mind? Yeah. And that's that privilege. That's privilege. That's that like, oh. oh. Anything else? What else happened? You've been down at the protests. I have. I How went down that? because, you know what? My thing is this. I support the kids. You know, um, the kids is doing it. And I wanted to go down there and make sure they had some water and snacks mm-hmm. and Gatorade and that they were hydrated while they were out there fighting the cause. Yeah. And it was actually really peaceful. Um, the vibe was nice. Mm-hmm. They had like um, free ice cream. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of different people were out there giving away different free things to the people and I thought that that was um, a good human thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, the humanity was out there. That um, the Others, you know, white people, Caucasians, you know, um, other races had the best signs. Hmm. That was just really yeah, so provoking. Yeah, and I thought, you know, you know what? But you know what? I know, I know, I know. Where you going? I know. Where <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just gonna say, I, for me, I have to be like, oh, that's nice, but I have to be like, you know, but I'm not gonna let that cloud my like. But you know, at least. But that's just we can me. say that. But to me, they could not. They could, yeah. Could they have a choice, home, yeah. That's true. Sitting at home and not trying, you know. And even when people are asking, "What can I do?" I'm glad they asked because they could not ask. Yeah. They could literally be sitting at home saying, You're "Right, I'm sorry, I'm being too harsh." Yeah, they could be sorry. at home not caring. Sorry, but guys. the fact that you do have, you know, people from all walks of life right now caring and you know speaking out saying, you know, that isn't right. And I like the the shirts and the the signs that are saying, you know, no, I don't understand, but okay. I'm willing to help. I want to do something to make a change, and that speaks more volumes because you can't do it alone. We cannot do it by ourselves. No, we can't. But I, I think I'm I'm sorry. That's just I I think that might just be like the for me. It's just like now, what are you going to do to help change? Like what substantial things because. I, and I ask this every day, like, how long do we think, how long do you think these protests going to last? Well, I asked yesterday, I said, well, how long is the protest going to last? Like, because protests have happened before, but and then it died out, and I then it go back to be know. the same. Who's, who's sitting at the table? Where are the demands? Who's addressing the demands? Um, and when? So there, there, and we've talked about this, too, there are black agendas out there, um, so Black Lives Matter has the Black Features Lab. Um, one I personally like is the ADOS One on One. So that's American Descendants of Slavery. There are several, um, like Angela Rye and them back um, another um, Black Agenda. So there are some that are that are out there, um, and so and some are gaining more traction than others. Um, but I think if we have like something policy-wise, we have to hold right. these politicians accountable right, exactly. and not just be giving our vote away. That's my personal Speaking perspective. Of, by the way, um, please vote your primaries wherever you are. Look at your local um, officials because those are the ones who make a difference. Like in the Floyd case, it wasn't the governor or our... Um, 
I don't know what to call them because I don't want to call them our president. Um, they, those decisions like the weren't the governors, yeah, the senators, those, those decisions wasn't um, made up to those. The judge made that decision. Judges. So you got to look at those judges, the city council women, um, men. Um, uh, like she said, uh, mayors, senators. So just I say go local, local. Like I yeah. look at those judges. And but be <laughs> but be politically educated and understanding what's happening, yeah. and not just blindly voting and giving your vote away. Again, that is my opinion, Doctor Sheer Allen. Mine. I, I but, agree because I don't think the black vote should be bought. Um, I mean, I need we need something in exchange. It yeah, is an exchange. exchange. Yeah, it needs I'm to be I'm not giving exchange, it away yeah. for free. Like, what are you doing to help better our situation? What policies are being put in place? What policies need to be eradicated and changed like the like the, the um crime bills and things like that that were put into play like what things need to be changed um and, and politicians who were for some things decades ago and now are all of a sudden you know like honestly what, i want to go back to the drawing board i well, think we I should mean, go back to the constitution because if you just look at even the amendments we are still in a place that we can go back to slavery tomorrow. At 13 men, we are tech. That's we what it is. So, um, that's technically what it is. I don't want to. I don't want to butcher her name. Ava Duvernay. 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 Yeah. She did that on um, Netflix, and mm-hmm. I she was watching that. Yeah. And it gives you so much. It shows how systematically from slavery once it was no longer okay to be slaves. Somehow, somebody in poli- work, policy work still created laws that kept us. Imprisoned, imprisoned and enslaved and like enslaved. slavery hasn't hasn't been eliminated it just morphs and and changes and by the time we realize what has happened they are already rolling with the punches right. and and then on to the next way of how they go and morph and change into the next thing so we have to be educated read books like question go to you know they have town halls and stuff like on youtube and stuff like just educate yourself about what's happening so these are things that we are going to address and have conversations about in the upcoming show. So we hope that you stay tuned and look forward, and we look forward to you, um, you all coming and listening to us and engaging in the dialogue. So we are out. This was a great conversation, and um, we'll you see y'all again. later. Tune in. All right, bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Swim Culture Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Remember, you can get involved by following us at the Swim Culture on Instagram and Facebook. See you all in the water.